you imagine looking at your child and looking into the very face of the incarnate God. Her little boy is going to be the answer to all of mankind's problems. By the way, we don't make an icon out of Mary like some churches do, but there was something special about her. One of the little ones a couple weeks ago after the Wednesday night lesson, they asked me, they said, Pastor, why did God choose Mary? Boy, that's, that's a hard question when you're coming right out of class. You can't give an answer in like five seconds, can you? Acts chapter 13 is where we're going to be this morning. Acts chapter number 13. If you're physically able, I'll ask you to stand with me, excuse me, with me this morning for the reading of God's Word. We'll allow the children to be dismissed at this time to Children's Church and to Junior Church. Acts chapter number 13. We're going to be, excuse me, begin reading in verse number 13. We know this passage as Paul's first missionary journey. That's not uh, necessarily our message this morning, but in the first few verses, uh, we have Paul uh, being ordained and sent out, Paul and Barnabas being sent out on their first missionary journey. Verse number 13, the Bible says, Now when Paul and his company loosed from Paphos, they came to Perga in Pamphylia. And John, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. But when they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch in Pisidia. Now, by the way, this isn't the same Antioch that we spoke of last week in Acts chapter number 15. This is the Antioch that is in what we know as modern-day Turkey. It says, They came to Antioch in Pisidia and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. And after the reading of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent unto them, saying, Ye men and brethren... If you have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. Then Paul stood up and beckoning with his, set, excuse me, his hand said, Men of Israel and ye that fear God, give audience. And this morning I want to preach a message to us entitled, The Preacher's Outline. The Preacher's Outline. Father, I pray that you'd help us and teach us today, and we'll surely thank you for it. Father, we commit everything that has already been done and will be done on this property today. Father, we commit it to you. We ask your Holy Spirit to lead and guide. We ask your Scriptures to be preeminent in what we do today. May we be sensitive to the Scriptures and to the Spirit. And Father, I ask that if there would be one here today, or maybe even more than one, maybe several who have never come to the saving knowledge of Christ, Father, may today be their day of salvation. I pray the same for those here in the auditorium, for those children in Children's Church this morning. Father, if someone needs to be saved today, Father, may today be that day. Father, for us as believers, Father, may today be a day of reminding. May today be a day of growth. May today be a day of challenge and conviction. Father, whatever is necessary in the hearts of each individual today, Father, I pray that you would meet the need. Father, you have the desire to meet it. You can meet it. Father, help us to be receptive. Help us to be sensitive to your leading in our lives today. And Father, we'll surely thank you for it. And we pray this in Christ's name. 
Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Last week we saw very clearly, and by the way, if, you, if you'll take your Bibles and turn there, just probably just a page over to Acts chapter number 15, we saw clearly, and by the way, let, let me back up just a second. When, when Paul and Barnabas, when they came to Antioch here, in, they, they, they had already done missionary work before they've come here, but when they come, they go to the synagogue and they go there for one reason, and one reason only. And by the way, this is Paul's heart. This is Paul's mission. This is who Paul was. He went there to preach. And so when they asked and when they opened up the floor, and when he said in verse 15 of chapter 13, and after the reading of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent unto them, saying, Man, they opened the floor. By the way, that's kind of a dangerous thing, isn't it, when you open the floor for people, isn't it? But they opened the floor and they said, Ye men and brethren, if ye have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. And boy, that opened the door for for Paul because Paul, his heart was to preach. That's what he was called to be. He was called to be a preacher. And what did he preach? He preached the salvation message. And by the way, he preached the salvation message that never changes. We saw this last week. I had you turn to Acts chapter number 15. Notice verse number 11. The Bible says, But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ we shall be saved. Now I understand this is Peter speaking, but this is exactly what Paul believed. This is exactly what the apostles believed. He said, But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ we shall be saved even as they. The apostle Paul preached salvation by grace through faith in the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing more, nothing less. That is the salvation message. And by the way, it's always the same. The salvation message never changes. It never will change. Now, we may try to change it, and people may try to change it, but the salvation message never changes. It is through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is by the grace of God. And it is when a person uh, manifests and distributes faith in that, the Bible says that they're saved. That's the salvation message, the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And a person places their faith in that. That message never, ever, ever will change. And that's the message that the Apostle Paul preached. And by the way, I, I want to look, just by way of an introduction this morning, I want to look at a couple of verses if I could. Take your Bibles and go to the book of Romans with me. A little bit further to the right, Romans chapter number uh, 10. Romans chapter number 10. We're speaking about the preacher's outline this morning. Because in Acts chapter number 13, by the way, Acts 13, the the very first part of what we just read, Paul's getting ready to preach. This is Paul's first recorded message. Now, had he preached before? Absolutely. But this is his first recorded message in the scripture in Acts chapter number 30, excuse me, chapter 13. And there are three, there's a, a phrase that's used three distinct times in Acts chapter number 13, and it's this phrase men and brethren. Men and brethren. And every time that that phrase is used, Paul is not not switching the message, but he's giving them another thought and he's giving them another truth. And that's what we're going to look at this morning in Acts chapter number 13. But look here in Romans chapter number 10. Romans chapter number 10. The Bible says in verse number 14, How then, we know the wonderful verse in verse 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall... Be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without 
a preacher. And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? Verse 17. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing, how? By the word of God. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And how shall they hear without a preacher? One, one more verse if we could. 2 Timothy chapter number 1. 2 Timothy 1. If you'll go there with me, then we'll go right back to Acts chapter 13. 2 Timothy 1. In verse number 11, 2 Timothy 1, verse number 11, the Bible says, Whereunto I, anybody know who the I is there? It's Paul. Whereunto I am appointed a what? A preacher. Listen, if Paul was anything, he was a preacher. He was a proclaimer of divine word. He was one who heralded the truth of God's word. He said, I was appointed I didn't take it upon myself. There, there are some today, well, I think, you know what? A good occupation would be to be a preacher. Now, the Bible does say that if a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good thing. There are some who are like, yeah, I, th- I think being a preacher would be a good thing. Low hours? Maybe, 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 maybe work one and a half day a week? Right, Brother Benny? Right. Brother Benny reminds me almost on a weekly basis, that's all I work is a day and a half. (laughs) Low hours, great pay, great benefits. I'll be a preacher. No, no, no. Paul said, I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. Now, before we leave here, what's the very first word in verse number 11? Whereunto? What does the whereunto refer to? Whereunto? What does that mean? What's it referring to? Well, if you'll back up a little bit. Look at verse number 9. Who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given in Christ Jesus before the world began. But is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Whereunto? He's going back to the gospel. He's going back to the message of Christ. He's going back to the salvation message. He said, I am appointed to be a preacher of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, of the salvation message. That's what I'm called to do. The preacher's outline. And so in Acts chapter number 13, as best as we can this morning, I want us to see the preacher. The preacher, Paul. And I understand that word. Some scoff at that word today. And maybe that word has been misused at times. However, it is still a good Bible word. And it is still a good Bible admonition. The Apostle Paul admonished Timothy to do what? To preach the word. To be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. It's a good admonition. And so this morning, may we see the preacher's outline. Look back at Acts chapter number 13. Let me give you number one. Let me give you number one. In verse number 13, or excuse me, let's, let's drop down. Uh, in verse number 15, we have the first men and brethren. Now, Paul's not using the men and brethren here. The, the, the individual, the Bible calls them the ruler 
the rulers of the synagogue, they say, Ye men and brethren. And then in verse number 16, Paul stood up and beckoning with his hand said, Men, men of Israel, and not just men of Israel, not just the Jews, men of Israel, and ye that fear God, do what? Give audience. Give audience. Number one this morning, men and brethren. This is what he's going to give them right off the bat. Men and brethren, the Savior was promised to you. Men and brethren, the Savior was promised. Here He is. And by the way, Paul does what many of the apostles would do at the beginning of every one of their messages. They, because many times they're preaching to Jews. They're preaching to the Hebrews. They're going to go back and they're going to rehearse Hebrew history to them. And He's going to show them that, hey, Hebrew history, Hebrew prophecy, Jewish prophecy prophesied of this one who would come prophesied of the Messiah and He has come. He is the Christ. He is this Jesus. Then Paul stood up and beckoning with his hand said, Men of Israel and ye that fear God, give audience. The God of this people, speaking of the Jews of Israel, chose our fathers and exalted the people when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt. And with an high arm brought He them out of it. High arm there speaks about the omnipotence of God. With a high arm, He brought them out. And about the by the way, aren't you thankful for the arm of God? Aren't you thankful for the fingers of God? Aren't you thankful for the hand of God? There's so much power in the arm of God. By the way, omnipotent power, almighty power. And He said, by a, a high arm brought He them out of it. And about the time of 40 years suffered He their manners in the wilderness and when he had destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, he divided their land to them by lot. And after that, he gave unto them judges about the space of 450 years until Samuel the prophet. And afterward, they desired a king. And God gave unto them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, by the space of 40 years. And when he had removed him, he raised up unto them David to be their king. And by the way, they would have understood all of this. Okay, you're talking about Egypt. I understand that. We came out of Egypt, came across the Red Sea. Yeah, we messed up. We spent 40 years in the wilderness. But Joshua led us into the promised land. We, we understand all that. We judges, we had judges. We, we, we were in that cycle constantly. We would sin. God would allow us to go into captivity. We would repent. We'd cry out to God. He would give us a judge. Bring us out of the captivity. Yeah, we remember that. Remember Samuel. Samuel, really, he's the one that brought us back to God. The last judge. Brought us back to God. We remember Saul. Saul was a great king when he was humble in his heart, but when he was, was lifted up in his own eyes, he walked away from God. He rebelled against God. But oh yeah, we remember David. The man by whom everyone else was judged in Israel. You study the kings, especially the southern kings. They're all judged by David. And when he had removed him, he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after, what? Mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. Of this man's seed. Of this man's seed. David! You know who David is. Of this man's seed. David's seed hath God, according to his promise, Raised unto Israel a Savior. And he gives the name Jesus. Number one this morning, men and brethren, the Savior 
was promised. A Savior was promised to you. And through this man, David, through his seed, has this Savior come. Look what he says in verse 24. When John had first preached before his coming, the baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel, and as John fulfilled his course, he said, Whom think ye that I am? I am not he. But behold, there cometh one after me whose shoes of his feet I am not worthy to loose. Number one this morning, men and brethren, the Savior was promised. The Bible says in verse number 17 that Israel was the chosen. They were the chosen nation, earthly nation of God. In verse number 17, Paul says, The God of this people of Israel chose our fathers. Israel was the chosen. And so he starts there. And then he speaks about the the covenant that God had made with David. He said, David received a covenant through this man, David. He said, Pastor, I don't see that in the passage. We know in 2 Samuel chapter number 7, David desired to build a house for God. He he desired to build a tabernacle. And Nathan told him, the, the, the seer Nathan, the prophet Nathan said, do whatever you want to do. And so David was getting ready. He was, he was going to build a temple in that night. That night, God came to Nathan. He said, no, 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 no. It's not going to be David. David's not going to build the tabernacle. He's not going to build a temple. Too much blood. Too much blood during his reign. I'm going to allow his son to build the temple. And we know that Solomon did exactly that, right? And David prepared. The Bible says David prepared exceedingly before his death so that his son would be prepared to build that temple. But what did God give David instead of a temple? What did he give him in 2 Samuel 7? Anybody know? I just mentioned it just a moment ago. He gave him a covenant. He said, you're, you're, you're not going to build the temple. By the way, let, let's go there. Hold your place here in Acts 13. Go, go with me to 2 Samuel real quickly, chapter number 7. 2 Samuel chapter number 7. Men and brethren, the Savior was promised. Israel was chosen. David received a covenant. 2 Samuel chapter number 7. Let's begin reading in verse number 8. The Bible says, Now therefore so, so shalt thou say unto my servant David, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I took thee from the sheep coat, from the following, excuse me, from following the sheep to be ruler over my people over Israel. And I was with thee whithersoever thou wentest, and have cut off all thine enemies out of thy sight, and have made thee a great name, like unto the name of the great men that are in the earth. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them that they may dwell in a place of their own and move no more. Neither shall the children of wickedness afflict them any more as before time. And as since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel and have caused thee to rest from all thine enemies, also the Lord telleth thee that he will make thee in house. And when thy days be fulfilled and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. If he commit iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the stripes of the children of men. But my mercy shall not depart away from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from thee. And thine house, notice this, verse 16, here's the covenant. And thine house, and thy kingdom shall be established, how long? Forever. And thine house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee. Thy throne shall be established forever. 
According to all these words and according to all this vision, so did Nathan speak unto David. God did not allow David to build the temple, but He gave him something better. He gave him a covenant. And He said, from, from, from your seed, uh, from your throne, the Messiah, the promised one, the Christ, is going to come. David, I'll give you something better. And that's exactly what Paul is telling. And by the way, in Psalm 132, verse number 11, if you're taking notes, write down that reference, Psalm 132, 11. We have another reference to 2 Samuel chapter number 6, another reference to David's throne being established forever. And we know it's established forever in Jesus, in the Lord Jesus Christ. Israel was the chosen. David received a covenant. And then Paul said, this is what Paul says. He says, Jesus is that Christ. Jesus is that Messiah. Jesus, excuse me, Jesus is that promised one. Back in Acts chapter number 13, excuse me, 13 verse 23, of this man's seed, the one that I made a covenant with, the one that I said that his throne should be established forever, of this man's seed hath God, according to his promise, raised unto Israel a Savior, Jesus. And so number one, men and brethren, the Savior was promised. Number two, in verse number 26, men and brethren, the Scriptures are preached. Men and brethren, the Scriptures are preached. Notice verse 26. He says, men and brethren, children of the stock of Abraham, and whosoever among you feareth God, to you, to you is the word of this salvation sent. He said to you, it's personal. Now, by the way, I believe there's a twofold reference there. I believe there's the reference that we find also in Acts chapter 2, verse number 11. It says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath done what? Hath appeared to all men. But I also think he is speaking just very personally right here to these individuals. Look, I, the word I'm preaching to you. What I am saying to you, yes, we have read the law and we have read the prophets. We went through what y'all do every Sabbath day. We went through all of that. Now the rulers have given me opportunity to speak. And what I am preaching to you is this message of salvation. He says in verse number 26, he says, To you is the word of this salvation sent. Hey Jews, the word is sent to you. Gentiles, the word is sent to you. Everyone gathered here today in that synagogue, he would have said, it's to you, but not just to you, but it's to all men. Number one, men and brethren, the Savior was promised. Number two, men and brethren, the Scriptures are preached. They're sent to you. I'm a preacher. I'm appointed to be a preacher, Paul said. I'm a herald of the divine word, a proclaimer of the divine word. I'm a proclaimer of the salvation message. So what does he preach here? Verse number 27. For they that dwell at Jerusalem and their rulers, because they knew him not, nor yet the voices of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath day, they have fulfilled them in condemning him. He said, look, you know what we just did? You just read all the law and all the prophets. You do this every Sabbath day. And he said, there's some of your rulers, they do this every Sabbath day, and they don't have any idea what they're reading. They don't have any idea. They don't have any idea that the man that they had killed was the man that they've been looking for for years. 
That's what he says in verse number 27. He says, and their rulers, because they knew him not, nor yet the voices of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath day, they have fulfilled them in condemning him. By the way, let me say this right here. It would be a sad indictment for anyone in this auditorium this morning or any of the kids over in Children's Church this morning that you come every Sunday and you're here all the time and you hear the Word of God preached and you hear the message of salvation preached and you hear that that salvation is only through the shed blood of Christ. It's not in this church. I'm thankful for this church. I'm thankful for the people here. And I'm thankful for those that God has brought together here. And I am a Baptist for a reason. But that doesn't save me. No more than being in a Catholic church or no more being in any other church. Now, I'm a Baptist because I believe being a Baptist is better than being a Catholic. Wow. But being a Baptist or being a Catholic, neither one save you. It's the fact that Jesus Christ came what we're getting ready to celebrate in two weeks from tomorrow. And that He lived 33 plus years. And that He went to the cross of Calvary. And He shed His blood. The song, one of the songs we sang this morning, it says, His love paid the ransom for me. That's what He did on the cross of Calvary. He paid my ransom. He paid for my sin. He went to the cross of Calvary. He shed His blood. He died. They buried Him. Three days later, He arose victorious over sin, death, and the grave. And when a man completely and 100% puts his faith and trust in that and that alone, he is saved. It's not putting his faith in the church, not putting his his faith in what he has done in self, but in the Savior, in what Christ has done for us. And this morning, listen, it would be a shame if you would walk out of this auditorium one more time with doubts in your mind about whether you're going to heaven or not. If you're here this morning, and if I were to come to you and come to every single person and say, hey, if you were to die this afternoon, do you know that you're going to go to heaven? If you say, I don't know, you can know today. You can know before we leave this property today. 1 John 5.13 tells us, and by the way, that's not the only verse. Scores of scriptures tell us that we have eternal life. Everlasting life. 1 John 5.13 tells us that we can know that we're saved. And we can know because it's not based upon us. It's based upon what He did well, Pastor, if you ask me that, I'd have to say I don't know because yesterday I did this and I did this and I cursed at my wife and last night I, I had a couple beers before I went to bed and got a little tipsy and got angry. And so, Pastor, if you ask me that today, I don't really know. I'm not asking you what you did yesterday or even this morning. I'm not asking if you had a fight with your wife on the way to church this morning. I'm not asking you that. I'm asking you, have you ever put your faith completely, genuinely, 100% in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ, the shed blood of Christ? Because if you have, you're saved. And I don't say that trying to give anybody false hope. I say that based upon the promise of God and God cannot lie. And so what does Paul preach here? He preaches three things. He says in verse 26, the scriptures are preached to you. This salvation message is preached to you. What does he preach? He preaches the rejection of Jesus. He preaches the resurrection of Jesus and he preaches the redemption of Jesus. Look look at the passage. He preaches the rejection. He's already mentioned it in verse 27. Verse 28, And though they found no cause of death in him, yet desired they Pilate that he should be slain. 
And when they had fulfilled all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a sepulcher. He preached the rejection of Jesus. You rejected him. You had him put on the tree. Now, by the way, nobody put him there. He went voluntarily. We know that. But he said, look, you rejected him. He preached the rejection of Jesus. He preached the resurrection of Jesus, verse 30. But God did what? Raised him. But God raised him from the dead. And he was seen many days of them which came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are his witnesses unto the people. And we declare unto you glad tidings, how that the promise which was made unto the fathers. There's that promise again. God hath fulfilled the same excuse me, unto us their children in that he hath raised up Jesus again. As it is also written in the second psalm, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And as concerning that he raised him up from the dead, now no more to return to corruption, he said on this wise, I will give you the sure mercies of David. Wherefore he saith also in another psalm, Thou shalt not suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Now he, he's just proving here that in those passages, he's not talking about David. Because he said, look, David died and his body corrupted. He says, so, so he wasn't talking about David or wasn't talking about himself in those Psalms. He says in verse 36, For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell on sleep and was laid unto his fathers and saw corruption. But he, whom God raised again, saw no corruption. He preached of the rejection of Jesus, of the resurrection of Jesus. By the way, a body has to have sin to have corruption, doesn't it? No sin. No corruption. Then verse 38, we have our, we have our third men and brethren, but it kind of overlaps here. Look what he says in verse 38. Paul preached the redemption of Jesus. Be it known unto you therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the what? The forgiveness of sins. The fact that I have paid the price. The fact that I will redeem you out of the slave market of sin. That I will buy you. That I have paid the price for you. That I want to redeem you. Uh, that, that I want you to be mine. And he said, I'm preaching unto you the forgiveness of sins. Number one, men and brethren, the Savior was promised. Number two, men and brethren, the Scriptures are preached. Number three this morning, men and brethren, salvation must, it must, it must, it must be personalized. It must be personalized. Austin can't be saved just because his daddy's saved. Now it's a help because his daddy's going to tell him how to be saved. Just because Eric Tucker knows Christ as Savior doesn't automatically mean Austin Tucker knows Christ as his Savior. Look what he says. We already read verse 38. He said, Be it known unto you therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. And by him, speaking of Jesus Christ, and by him all that, what? what's the word there? Believe. Believe. Hey, remember in Romans chapter 10, verse number 1, the Apostle Paul declares his love for the Jew, that, that he wants them to be saved, and that he would be willing to be what? Anybody know? Accursed! 
If they would come to Christ. And he's preaching and he says, And by Him, all that believe are justified from all things from which ye could not be justified by the law of Moses. Hey, we just read the law. We just read the prophets. You can't be justified by the law. But you can be justified by the Messiah, by the Savior, by this Jesus. Notice verse 40. Beware therefore. Three things here. You and I. You must believe. It's personal. You. I must believe. You must believe. Number two, you must beware. Look what he says there. In verse number 40. Beware therefore lest that come upon you which was excuse me which is spoken of in the prophets. And then thirdly, you must behold. Look what he says in verse 41. Behold. Now he, he speaks, he, he um, references Habakkuk chapter 1 and verse number 5. That, that's what verse 41 is. He says, Behold ye despisers and wonder and perish. For I work a work in your days, a work which ye shall in no wise believe, though a man declare it unto you. He said, look, he said, I'm sitting here declaring this unto you. I'm declaring the truth unto you. I'm declaring the Messiah to you. I'm showing you that the Savior was promised. And I'm showing you that this Savior is this man, Jesus. He said, but you know what? Some of you aren't going to believe. He said, just like in Habakkuk chapter number 1, verse number 5, he said, I'm going to work a work that, that when men hear it, they're not even going to believe that it's going to happen. See, in the book of Habakkuk, Habakkuk desired for the holiness of God to be made manifest. He wanted God to bring judgment. And he was wondering, God, when are you going to bring judgment? God, are you really going to bring judgment? God, are you going to allow this wickedness to continue on? And in verse number 5, he, Habakkuk gets the message from God. And he says, behold. He says, Habakkuk, I'm going to do a work that when you hear it, you're not going to believe it. He says, Habakkuk, what I'm going to tell you, you're not going to believe it. And Paul uses that verse to say, I'm telling you something, but you're not going to believe it. Dear friend, this morning, beware. Beware this morning that you're not a despiser and that you wonder at what is being preached, but you do not believe and in the end you perish. And he says, folks, behold. Behold what I'm telling you. Don't be like those that hear and don't believe. Behold ye, dis- or excuse me, behold ye despisers and wonder and perish, for I work a work in your days. A work which ye shall in no wise believe, though a man declare it unto you. And he said, look, I'm declaring it unto you. The preacher's outline. And by the way, we can, we can read message after message after message after message from the Apostle Paul. And many of his messages take the same format. Same subject matter many, many times. He's preaching the message of salvation. Let me ask you, believer, has that message gotten old to you this morning? We live in a day where the devil does a good job 
of desensitizing us, not only to sin, but desensitizing us to the wonder of what Jesus Christ has done for us. The beauty, as we heard about Wednesday night, of what Jesus, who Jesus Christ is and what He's done for us. The Savior was promised. Israel, this Jesus, it's Him. He is the Savior from this man's seed, from David. You know David. You've heard about Him from this man. This promise has been fulfilled. And it's been fulfilled in the man Jesus. The Savior was promised. The Scriptures are preached. Salvation, men and brethren, salvation must be personalized. You must believe. I must believe. You must beware. He says, beware therefore lest that come upon you which is spoken of in the prophets. And then he's going to read the verse in verse number 41. You must beware. And you must behold. Look at verse number 42. And when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, the Gentiles besought that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. Hey, we want to hear more! Now when the congregation was broken up, many of the Jews and religious proselytes following Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. Verse 44, in the next Sabbath day, look, 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 look what he's doing again. Look what Paul's doing again the very next Sabbath. And the next Sabbath day came almost the whole city together to do what? To hear the Word of God. To hear the Word of God. Paul was a preacher. Never despised the preaching of God's Word. I understand. There are men who are very loose with the Word of God. I understand that and I get that. I've heard the messages, you've heard the messages, just very loose with the Word of God. But don't despise the preaching of the truth of God's Word. Don't despise when someone stands and declares the salvation message with clarity and with truth. It stands and declares any message from the Scriptures in, in clarity, in truth. I come to you this morning with really one thing and one desire. Really two, but they're wrapped up in one. Number one, if you're here without Christ, you can be saved today. And it's not who you are and what you've done. It's, what, it's everything that Jesus Christ has already done. It's he's pay, he paid the price. He shed His blood so that we could have, He said, forgiveness of sins. That's what I'm preaching to you. Hey, don't you need forgiveness of sins? Remember the sacrifices that that y'all used to have to make back in the Old Testament, back with the priest? You'd have to bring a lamb. You'd have to shed the blood. Look, the lamb has been slain. He mentions John the Baptist. What did John the Baptist say when he saw Jesus? Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. The lamb has been slain. The price has been paid. It's not your law. As we saw last week, it's not your circumcision. It's Jesus Christ. And then secondly, let me say this. Believer, 
Does that still mean the same to you today as it did on the day that you got saved? Does it? His love paid the ransom for me. Hey, teenager, does it still mean the same for you? Or you've gotten so wrapped up in the things of this world and your friends and your peers and you want to be accepted that, boy, I don't, I don't really talk about Jesus much anymore. Don't let that happen. Don't allow that to happen. One of these days we're going to head out of this world and we're going to head into eternity. Hopefully, prayerfully, if you know Christ as Savior, to spend all eternity in the one who gave it all for us. But here's the wonderful thing. We don't have to wait till then. We can live for Him right now. And by the way, not only can we, we should. We are His workmanship created unto good works. And then let me say lastly, you may not be a preacher who stands behind a pulpit, but if you're a daddy in your home, you're the shepherd of that home. Preach. Be a proclaimer of the divine word. Preach. Now you don't have to get your little step stool and stand and preach to mama and all the... That's not what I'm saying. You open the word of God and you teach the word of God. And be a one who heralds the divine word to others. Boy, aren't you thankful for those people in verse 44? They came back the next week. They wanted to hear the word of God preached again. Friend, if you don't know Christ, we're going to have a time of invitation here in just a moment. Would you come? Would you let us take the Bible? I mean, you've already, you've already seen it. But would you allow us to take the Bible this morning and maybe even go to a few more verses and some more verses and help you to know for sure before you leave today that you know Christ? It means everything. Hey, the Christmas shopping you're going to do this week matters nothing compared to eternity. Nothing. The, the, all of those work responsibilities you have this week and they're on your calendar and you have everything pinned in every hour of the day, Monday through Friday this week, matter nothing if you don't know Christ as your Savior. You need to settle that before you leave today. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for the preacher Paul. Thank You for the simple message. Not a simple message, but the, the clear, powerful message that he was constantly preaching. The salvation message. The fact that this Jesus is the Christ. And Father, I pray once again, if there's one here today that does not know that, has never placed their faith, has never called upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation, Father, I pray that today might be that day. Father, help us in these moments to come. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Let me ask real quickly with heads bowed and eyes closed. Let me, let me ask just a couple of questions if I could. The first question I want to ask is this. Will there be anyone, and I'm not here to embarrass you, and I promise you I won't. That is not, that, that's not my heart's desire. My heart's desire is to help you this morning. But would there be one this morning, you say, Pastor, you, you've talked about salvation this morning. You, you even said that if you ask 